Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel and Seth Hartnett. Are you ready to be entertained? This is the Sloan, I don't know. The not Sloan for the yeah, untic- yeah. unticketed day before. <laughs> the gorilla, Sloan Gorilla podcast. We're not actually inside the conference, anyone. Don't Literally get mad at Dave. He didn't sneak in. I mean, I, not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm going to do the Amino Hassan plan. Uh, yeah. Go go act like you're supposed to be there and uh, and everything is fine. Yeah, the problem is, you like, see the t-shirt. I, and and I, well, and little, I stand out too, too much. Yeah. yeah. And once, yeah, once you've been ejected once, like they... They've got a. I'm new here. Is this the podcast? Is this actually? <laughs> it is now. Uh, and welcome to the special edition Nerder She Wrote, Seth and Dave Dufour. We've got Amin El Hassan and Henry Abbott of True Hoop. Finally. Are you about to go into a rock promo here? Yeah. Well, I've, I've been talking to Henry almost exactly a year about doing the show, and we just haven't been able to figure it out. Amin has done every other show. Yeah, I've never done. Never done. And Seth has never podcasted with anybody. (laughs) So uh, like when I said, when I said to Seth, this is funny. I was like, oh, I got Henry. Okay, cool. I got a mean. Oh, all right. Awesome. I can talk about the time I gave him buckets in the pickup game. Oh, I'd like to talk about that too. All right. (laughs) Henry was there. He saw it. There's some falsehoods. No, no, he he did not give me buckets. I get confused. Did we win? Did I win? Were you guarding me? Henry Henry gave me buckets. I I will admit to that for one reason only. We go. It's my first time playing with Henry and I'm thinking this guy has written so much about Efficient shot selection and with smart teams and you know smart take the open shot. If that means guarding you, you're open the whole game. I just is like he's he he dribbles up and he pulls up for like 18 feet and I'm like he's not taking that shot, and that's all he did. All he shot were like 17, 18 foot jump shots all day long, and then and then this is the kicker. (laughs) Point game, (laughs) Mister the guy who coined the phrase hero ball. Goes into the absolute most hero ball mode. Works. Oh, okay. oh, it was it was just I was just like Jesus. No, 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 no. Well, this is a ball is perfect for that. Though. No, no, you're not understanding what was happening here. This was the most unusual of all basketball which Was Amin said at the beginning of the game, I got Henry because I just assumed. which implied he was oh. going to play defense no. when I had the ball, right? But instead. He initiated a program that you've never seen before in your life of standing 100%. If he looked up, he would see the perfect circle of the rim. That's where he stood. I, and his defense against me was purely oral. He just sent a verbal volley. <laughs> let, so I'm up like, it. are you kidding me? This dude is literally insulting my whole family right now. <laughs> like, so, yes, occasionally, I think I probably took five mid-range jumpers. You, you did not take anything in, other than mid-range jumpers. Well, because there was defense under the rim. What am I doing with that? <laughs> Well, this can we tell the dirty secret of analytics guys when they play pickup? Is that the, it's all, all, that, mid-range. all that shit flows out the, goes out the window? It's all mid range. <laughs> no, 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 I think anyone who's ever played with me knows that I don't shoot mid range. I shoot with the toe on the line. <laughs> That's good. Oh, really? I, like, yeah, because no. my especially as, like the older I get, the farther my right foot like drifts forward. So I like I am you know playing on an NBA court. I am the master of like the twenty three foot six inch shot. That's that's called the Channing Fry, by the way. I actually <laughs> do have an analytical approach to analytical pickup, which I'm going to use tomorrow, and I've already started laying the groundwork today. What's that? When's this publishing? Uh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Just what yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a guy named Matt who works for Second Matt Spectrum. Redfield. Matt Redfield. How tall is Matt Redfield? Six eight. Okay. Former MIT basketball Former- captain as everyone who works for Second Spectrum is. And he did like some semi pro in Europe or something. He's he's a he's a very accomplished, yeah. tall, athletic young man. And he's young. That's also very important. That's- I just ran into Matt in the hallway. I'm like, hey Matt, are you playing pickup tomorrow? And he's like, Oh, I'll see if I get up early enough. And I'm like, Well, make sure you do, and let's make sure we're on the same team again. Cause when I was on the team with Matt, here's my I I'm old enough to know how to play with a guy like Matt, which is you throw him the ball. You get the ball, you dribble or not, and then you throw it like above Matt. <laughs> and then everybody has a great time. Yeah. And it's super fun. And other people play with Matt and I noticed them not doing this. And I'm like, oh, oh, hold on. I got this. That's really how to play analytical It's ba- bad basketball if you don't feed the big guy. In play the with Matt. Game. That's how you win. I mean, and also in NBA games, as, as we discovered last oh, night. Oh, my gosh. So why? here's a question for you guys. Why do the rest of the Utah Jazz hate Rudy Gobert? There was a play yesterday when Boston went into a zone, and so Rudy's going from. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like, where he's going from? He's going from the left side to the right side across the paint, and Tice 
like tags off, mm-hmm. but I believe it's uh, semi on this side yeah. hasn't like picked him up. So Rudy's literally standing right in the middle of the paint. Both of these guys are outside of the paint on in the restricted side. area. He's the only person in the paint, and is Jordan Clarkson who's like. <laughs> the, um, I told this story last night to who was I sitting next to? Oh, I was sitting next to Hollinger yesterday. I told this story. There's a play that Clarkson had that reminded me of this when when. When I was with the Suns, our D-League affiliate was Iowa. The head coach was Nick Nurse. First time I went down there on assignment with one of our guys, we're at practice. Nick Nurse is teaching them, like, their defensive philosophy is always help off strong corner. And I'm like, you know, I didn't want to say it, but after the coach, Who? like, oh, this is Nick Nurse, right? Okay. Always help off strong corner. So I don't say anything because practice, I don't want to disrupt it. But after, like, coach, what are, you, what are you talking about always help off strong corner? That's like the cardinal sin, right? And he says, I mean, it's the D-League. That motherfucker's never passing the ball, <laughs> and it's true. They did it, like they broke the record for wins that year. Like this is like a historic, uh, historically good D League team. But the, he's he's absolutely right. The 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 behavior of a D League player is I'm driving and come hell or high water, I'm not making this simple pass. It's right here. The guy's wide open because the only way I'm going to get to the league is if I get buckets or get free throws, and so they literally could help. And it never it never backfired. That's there was amazing. never a guy like oh no, damn we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have left him. So last night Jordan Clarkson had like one of those plays where he he's driving and I can't remember who helped, but they just it was a complete commit. And I'm like all you have to do is just whoop, like you don't have to pass it well. And instead he dribbles it off his foot and they turn it over and they go the other way. It, it is pretty fascinating when you watch players like what are you thinking right now? I was crying laughing. At at feeling bad for Gobert because he was like getting open and like I, I've I've hammered him a little bit for pouting uh, when he hasn't gotten the ball. I, I've like hit on that a few times, but I can understand like the bad yeah. body language stuff. But there was a play where he thought he was getting the ball and he had a, just a direct like one dribble and it was going to be a dunk, and the ball flies like eight feet over his head to Mike Conley. And we're sitting, Seth and I are sitting next to each other, and I'm in tears laughing at his reaction because he was like, oh, 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 oh. You it was the, the, the audacity of hope in his eyes. Like, yeah, he's like, finally, I got. He had, he had one shot through like the first two and a half quarters yeah. last night, and he was open on every exactly. roll. It was a lot. It was a lot from yeah. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. It, was like, it was the middle of the third quarter, and we were like, he went to the free throw line, and we were like, how many shots has he taken? Yeah. One. One. It was a lob from Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. They, like, he didn't even touch it. The, the other thing that happens as a result is when he does get the ball, he's he, – he, like, there was a game I went to earlier this year. I think it was Jazz Suns. And he spent the entire like, third quarter trying to Euro step. I mean, like, every time he caught it, he was just, like, this gangly, weird Euro step. And I'm just like, just what are you doing? Like, he got – he actually, like – uh, committed an offensive foul because instead of just going, he had pre-programmed. I'm going to euro step, and he euro step right into the guy who was who was not defending him very well. And so, it, but I kind of, I mean, if it, it's because he starved, right? And so, at the, whenever you get it, you're just like, well, so now it. he's playing like he's in the G League. Yeah, he gets the ball and he doesn't want to give it up because who knows if it's coming back? If it's ever coming back. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean that that sort of leads to an interesting. You know, one of the things that's come up on stage here. In the past, is it's uh, I think Bob Meyer was it last year, two years ago, like the the eighty two game versus sixteen game players, and I think that's overdone. But one thing you do see in the playoffs is teams like really commit to just not guarding guys, and I think you know all of us have probably experienced that feeling where for whatever reason, if you're just not like in a in a game, you're just not getting the ball, and then the ball comes to you and you're open, like. The, just your thought process as you get like I have to make this shot because I'm not seeing it again for two games if I don't and I you know obviously as professional basketball players their their mental focus is better than that but some of that still just has to creep in well, and, that and you special see guys, effort doesn't make it more accurate right, right. Yeah. but yeah it makes it less but, accurate right yeah. and so you right you tense up and you're not just yeah. you're not you playing, routine you're, you're not playing yeah. mindlessly right yeah. you know you're yeah. and, and that's the thing. Some, that's, some people do. No, I mean, no, but like, like mindlessly in the like, like good way, and like in, in terms of like, there's no thought going on. It's just yeah. pure. Yeah, like just, the, the mechanism happens yeah. and the shot goes up. Well, this is I can connect this to Sloan. There's one of my favorite papers here was uh, Justin Rao and Matt Goldman like seven eight years ago, um, but it was basically like uh, home players shooting free throws in a silent arena miss more than usual. Road players with loud screaming hit exactly at the normal rate. 
And the idea is that like psychologically routine things like for a player on the road, it's like, yeah, you think I'm a jerk, whatever. Boom, boom. I had two shots. Right. But home players are like, Ooh, these guys love me. Like I got to really make a special effort for them, which takes you out of the sweet shooting part of your brain. It's just routinized. Like you're at the driving range. I also wonder maybe if the silence just makes you so aware of all the eyeballs on you. I mean, that uh, for people with that focal dystonia, yeah. right? Like, yeah, that's definitely a factor for some people, right? What was that, that term? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Were you unfamiliar with focal dystonia? Focal otherwise dystonia. known as the yips. Um, yeah, it's like Chuck and all blocks. That's what, that's, that's what, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That's a good band name too. We are Focal Dystonia. <laughs> We're going to sell be selling our CDs out in the lobby after. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Has anyone done a Sloan presentation on the Yips? Uh, no, but Tom Haverstone wrote a hell of a story about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the Mac Daddy of investigations of it. Yeah. So the 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 presentation on lineup data that you were talking about before we started yeah. recording. Yeah. Um, I wasn't there for the presentation. This is how it goes. I don't. I have a journalism degree. Like I don't know. I can't really well assess a poster. But I talked about it with enthusiasm and joy of a child. And then Seth's like, "Ah, it's stupid." <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. It's it's it, it's. So, well, no, is, wait, let me can I set it up and then yeah, you guys set it up. Please. Okay. Okay. So, um, Samuel Kalman, Jonathan Bosch, Maxim Horowitz, they. Asked, I'm, I'm gonna Nobody cares about their names. So you get so to the they point. No, the it's AI important to give credit. Out of, out of Carnegie Mellon and, and Max now works for the, the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. yeah. So um, they asked the AI to identify like different uh, groupings of player traits. So we can, rather than using the five positions, guard, forward, center, uh, to develop like nine different, it, it spat out nine different types of players. And then like, okay, well, what's the best way to combine those nine types of players so that the lineup has the best chance of success? Um, there are a bunch of findings. I think probably um, most interesting is most, and I'm quoting now, uh, most underperforming lineups have less than two stretch forwards and less than one ball dominant scorer. Combining floor spacing with a high usage ball dominant player is very effective. Um, so Giannis and shooters, or yeah. LeBron and shooters, or, LeBron. or Russell Hawaii Westbrook and, and shooters, yeah. Yeah. or Luca and shooters, right? Or, yeah. So heliocentrism, Seth, is ding good offense, right? Oh, you just gave yourself a ding. <laughs> yeah. So so heliocentrism is good offense if the. If the center of the if the if the star if the helio is yeah, uh, is, is good sun yeah. And, yeah. and not like uh, you know and black not, hole, <laughs> not a black hole. I mean that's true though, right? Yeah, it's not Jordan Clarkson. You can't do it with Carmelo. <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean because you know, there, so we were talking about I'm trying to think which player someone was asking me about, and I, I oh, man. I'm drawing a blank. It's a young player in the league. I can't remember which one, but we're all getting young, older. <laughs> a young player that everyone's very excited about, and he's great score, but doesn't pass. Who am I talking about? No, I, I, not Donovan Mitchell. No, it, yeah. it, it's it's someone with a little bit more third rail to him than that. And and the point I was making was there's always going to be a, a ceiling on what he can be. And I said, why do you say that? And I said, because great. Oh, it's Anthony Davis. Anthony That's who Davis. It was. I'm like. Like the one commonality of all the great players, like the greatest of the greats, they're all, they're all passers. Like maybe not primarily passers, but they all pass, right? And the ones who don't, Dominique Wilkins, Carmelo Anthony, is like they're great. They're well, there's a walking bucket, but it's there's a cap. They're Those never are contested gonna, twos, man. It's like well, it doesn't even matter. They're not elevating their exactly. It, it doesn't even matter the the method in which they score. It's just that they just score. And so when you talk about heliocentrism, just the, the your son has to be a dude who passes, because if not, then it doesn't you, matter. You don't you don't use your super your superpower is drawing the attention of the yeah. defense, and you don't use well, so that. that for there's there's two good. things there though, because there's also there's guys who do pass but don't draw enough. Like and so this is, yeah, you, this is something we're thinking like uh, an issue we're probably thinking about with the Timberwolves going forward is like D'Angelo Russell can pass but he can't draw. Well, because he 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 can't get downhill on people, and so right. he's, so there's been over his career there's been not a whole lot of evidence that he actually he he might individually score decently well, but he has a, not a whole lot of track record of elevating an offense around him. Even though he's a really great passer, like he's got really good feel as a passer. 
uh, Nate Duncan the other day when the Knicks and the Rockets played, he pointed something I thought was pretty funny because R.J. Barrett had a field day. And Nate Nate said one of the reasons why he's able to like play well against the Rockets, the Rockets are like creaming everyone and they, they, they lose to the Knicks is because the the trigger for help is when you get when you get beat. But because R.J. Barrett can't beat anybody off the dribble, there was <laughs> never any help, help. But he's so much bigger than than P.J. He just rises up and scores. So it's like one of those things where, same thing. It's like, you know, if you never beat the guy, the defense can't constrict, and so then you don't have those passing lanes available. So it, you could be a tremendous individual scorer and a really good passer, but you're not good enough to generate a team offense, right? Yeah. Right. But you're, you're trying to break the defense, right? Right. Like, just not score on it, but yeah. make them do disastrous things. Tax right? them. Well, it, well it's a, I mean, it's a term that we've used in basketball forever. Literally breaking down the defense, that's exactly what it is. And, and that, not, that happens multiple ways, too, though. Yeah. I think we, we talk a lot about um, something we talked about the other day when we, we potted with the Celtics guys is, you know, a guy can have, have value as a spacer that is – basically independent of how well they shoot or not it's right. the, do they get Reputa- guarded reputation shooters. yeah right like marcus smart gets guarded right like and that's and and that you know the the whatever small it, it's really like the difference in terms of like a per game scoring average between shooting 32 and 37 on three is not that much but the impact of every other possession when your guy is you know four feet from you instead of eight feet instead of guarding yeah. like I mean so, would guard Henry Abbott yeah. <laughs> so so there's <laughs> not that <laughs> I mean there the, no the war I mean the you know the Warriors their first title like that was the change they made is they yeah. it, Andrew Bogut was like oh hi Tony Allen right I'll, I'll they, be right they here. Mean, up on yeah, <laughs> they mean pretty up much, yeah. and it worked, yeah. and it worked. But so I'll give you a great example of that. Uh, we used to have these individual player scouting reports. When we play a team, you have like each player and put up on the bulletin board, and the guys would go and they'd look at it. Why they, you know, if you're Roger Bell, you're drinking coffee and Red Bull at the same time, and you're you're going through it, right? And so for guys that you know, you're trying to drum home a point, right? And so for have their stats and kind of like what they've done in the last five games and then strengths and weaknesses, offense and defense. And so uh, Kyle Corvers under offense, it said in bold caps, large font, shooter. And then it would say he likes da-da-da-da. And then the next bullet point would say shooter. And then another bullet point would say da-da-da-da. And then shooter. And then we got to the defensive part. And the first thing under defense is shooter. Like the idea is I don't give a fuck if that guy's one for 100. At no time do you ever leave his side, right? You just don't do it. And so that in of itself, that's the, that's the superpower you're talking about. It's the idea that it doesn't even matter what they're shooting anymore. Like the numbers are irrelevant. What matters is how do we, how do defenses behave when they're on the floor? And that's, I think that's a big reason why, you know, they talked about like the, uh, the Lob City Clippers. It was always like the big three of, of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. And I thought I would, JJ Reddick was, was, was JJ Reddick, yeah. because I mean, they, those, all those other guys kind of didn't really move a lot, but JJ would run around all the time. And the defense is always like pointing at him, like almost like pre-snap movement right. in, a, in like a football game. Well, he and, allowed all that vertical spacing that right. he got. Because he, because his movement, because of his, 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 obviously he, his well-earned reputation as a shooter and a shooter off movement required defensive attention. And that, that even without the ball, he kind of served to break the defense well, down. And by the way, the thing, their limiter was not having a second guy that could space the floor like on the wing. Oh, like the clustering paper. No, the limiter was that they didn't have a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, that too. But 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 their ceiling, like their starting group ceiling, yeah. was always that that other wing who could shoot. Yeah, yeah. It was like Matt Barnes was the best, the right. best they had. At that. And and that's actually a perfect example because he like he was shooting like high thirties one year, right. and it didn't matter. It didn't matter because because his guy was still playing off him. And okay, fine. On your your shoot forty two percent on your two corner threes a game, we'll easily make that up by having your guy like helping in the paint every time. The Jeremy. Like people just yeah. don't care. Like he's shot well from three the last two years. Like I don't care. <laughs> well, this is to me like, I, like this is the big thing that we have to think about based on this conference and its effect over the last fifteen years, whatever it's been, thirteen, fourteen, I forget. Um, but uh, you know, beat. We think of offense as beating your guy and making a bucket, but it's like no. It really, it's like can you break the defense? Can you make the defense all distorted in some way? Right then, opportunity there. And to this point, even like 
Like Dwayne Reed, Russell Westbrook, not shooters, but don't get left alone. Spacers. Right? I mean, it makes a giant difference. I guess Giannis is kind of Dwayne like Dwayne Wade right was a, shoot, a spacer, not a shooter. Yeah. And and the idea, so what? Uh, what's my guy? Ghost Coop? Cut. Go, yeah, Ghost Cut. Coop, right? Coop came up with that. But yeah, that's that's spacing. Yeah. Like, we, we were conditioned to think of spacing as just like. It's the easiest way to do it, but it's not the only way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's ways to go. But, again, it takes us. It's not like, oh, that means I can play Tony Allen because you can go because he doesn't do it. Yeah. Like you have to be able to actually do it, and that is, like I said, it's harder because it, that requires timing and kind of a feel for what's happening on the court. And the agility to, like, catch and, and, and make it. Yeah, catch yeah. and finish yeah. and, like, not, you know, not catch the ball on a dead sprint and, like, charge. Because yeah, the guy, yeah. yeah, so there's a lot. Like, think about all the things that you need to have in order to be good at that. Like, you got to, first of all, recognize, right? You got to have good timing. You have, pretty much have to know uh the play good iq right you gotta be controlled right not sprinting and also not meandering right and then you've got to have good hands to catch and finish usually in traffic right as opposed to can you just stand right there and catch it and shoot it like it's 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 an easier way but it's not the end all be all well that's why the three and d wing is a thing is because like that's a that that is a more readily available the ghost cut and D. yeah yeah exactly like okay you just and d yeah <laughs> like okay so you're basically like an all-star level player as your as your spacer well yeah if you have that that's awesome you have you you have you have no problems if that's like your you know your your third offensive option isn't like a, is a is an all star Hall of Fame level player like uh, you're in good shape. Oh, is that, is that yeah. how that works? Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's an, so another way of saying the same thing is: Do you have skills as a role player that make superstars better, more valuable, more efficient? Right, and like if you shoot threes, the answer is yes right. already. If you don't, then we have to go do a whole well, exploration. Because right? like, like so, we talked about this on the jump. I can't remember. Someone was going off of like. Oh, analytics guys hate the mid range. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, the the great offensive players in this league have to have they a mid range. You have right? to because that's the counter, right? It's, yeah. But everyone else's job is to get the fuck out of the way. Like, it's, so if if I'm not a shooter, like I'm really good at mid range. That's nice. That's great. But all that means is my man can now stand right here and guard me and him at the same time. I can help on the star. And I can still recover back. Like the whole point of three point line is, is it's the extra point is cool, but also it's it's far, right? If if our three point line moved in, like I think people think, oh man, people just shoot threes all day. Like quite the opposite. Like everything would be guarded. Yeah, you know. It, I, know, I don't that? think I don't think offenses. I think offenses would st- like if they could get past kind of the anchoring effect of where that line is. Yeah, I right. think the good offense would have people in the same spots the, they are now. The, right? yeah, the, yeah, the Ryan Anderson. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, we're gonna right. just pretend like the three point line. Well, is just because the line is there doesn't mean you have to stand yeah. on it. Exactly. And, and and you know I've talked about this a lot because everyone thinks all right we're shooting too many threes. Guys are too good at it, which is not true. Uh, the percentages kind of been the same always, just higher volume. Um, if you if you expand the three point line, you're just going to get more layups because there's going to be oh, more so space. I, yeah. So I I don't totally agree with that because what's like if you expand it too far, you kind of reduce like it, the the set of players who are you need to pay attention to shrink, which then effectively shrinks the court. And so if you push okay, Tony Allen, okay, certainly. Yeah, right. there, <laughs> there is a, Tony so there yeah. is a point where it would have an adverse effect on that but like what like it's if, not but a if, foot so it, but if you so this is one of those the one of those like solutions is like well just take away the short corner three but the right. short that, corner and three that, and and if you do that then basically the whole game would be played in like a like a try like a like a baseball diamond almost because you have to widen the court too yeah, yeah. but yeah. no but, it, but, but it, so but, if you just took away the corner yeah. like that whole those slices of the court on both sides right. are basically useless offensively they're right. not though that's not true see, yeah see, that's Weak my side point. corner is always a good shot no but if if it's a two-pointer, it's it, who cares, right? But I think, sh- like, we have enough guys in the league who are good enough shooters that let's go ahead and call the Amin Al Hassan guarding Henry Abbott. Like, they're good oh enough. Look at using the Amin analogy. When you Amin up, my work here is done. If this you, is beautiful. Thank you, Amin. Like, if, you, <laughs> if you let them tee off from there because it's only worth two, but that's that's like saying, well, we'll let them lay it up. They're a guy good enough where that the, the, the effective field goal percentage, expected field goal percentage, excuse me, for, of a wide open two point jump shot is similar to a contested layup. 
But there just or, aren't or like, as many. Like there'd be just more plays from more teams where there's more dead defense at the rim, right? Because there'd be a lot of guys you'd be like, eh. because just because it's not worth an extra point doesn't mean like they're not going to take or make that shot. And especially that weak side because it's going to be a wide open jump shot. I mean, they're, you know, that's just basketball, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The but defense that, constricted. There was like, a paper here years ago that was basically like, you know, long baseline jumpers are bad. Except for, and it was unbelievable, it was like two players <laughs> who were amazing at it. And it was literally like Dirk plus one. I forget Dirk his other and one. like KD or something right. like that. Yeah. yeah. And it was but like most of the league is for some reason long baseline jumpers. Um, depth perception. Yeah, it's tough. That's, that corner. So corner there you go. So that's why you don't have to guard it. Yeah. Because everybody sucks at it. Right? Like that's why having, I think you do want a corner three. Because oh, that's want a the reason three. you have to run out there. If it's only a corner two, I think you might have a lot of strategy with it. I, I, I think like, I do think over time that would be like that would be a counter, but it would still be a counter at sort of a lower yeah, equilibrium level than what of it offense. is right now. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's fine, then great. But I do think it would it would allow more. It, it would have a more contested paint, and I don't think we want that. Here's the funny thing: Degree. if they did get rid of it, and like the teams kept shooting that shot, right? Kept shooting and making that shot, but now I guess technically it's a mid-range shot, right? Would all the, like the old heads like finally basketball's back? Right? Like, it's <laughs> same like the distance. same thing, yeah. Same distance, same everything, but just yeah. because we correct that's called what, it two that's instead the of three, thing now, now they feel good about <laughs> no, no, it. No, but the, but the thing is, is that's if you look at like the shots that are becoming three, it is that shot. Is the guy who was standing at at nineteen feet catching and shooting is now standing at twenty four feet catching and shooting, right. and it's the same players. It's just so that's that's always something. That's if the been, line wasn't there right. and they were taking a twenty four foot shot, right? Nobody would care, right? You wouldn't get the old guys saying, and it's it's that extra point, and that's it. Yeah, the line that line just does weird people things to people's yeah. perception, and it, it does. I mean, you know, even if you know better, like if you go, if you know, you go from playing regularly on an NBA court to on a high school court. And you know you you play all the time on an NBA court, and you're used to shooting like a 24 foot oh, three pointer. Yeah. You go to a high school court, and I you know turn into Ray Allen. But then you're like, okay, I, I caught the ball at 24 feet. I feel bad because shooting this because I'm five feet behind the line. Yeah. So it's like I'm like no, but that's the shot I normally shoot. It's just because of of the psychology. The geom- yeah, psychology. Yeah. It's like it's like paying five bucks or something that you know you can get for four bucks. Or something, right? No, like, that's not it at all. I, yeah. I don't. No, but it is like you're like like you're taking a 25 foot shot when a 21 foot shot is available. It's like it's just you're doing a more it's difficult, like, it's like, more special. Except you're thing. better at the 25 foot shot because you don't because you know not to take the 21 foot shot because and and, and yeah. in in the league that that distance isn't really the the percentages don't drop off. It's like at 26. I mean, it's it the percentages are are similar, but the characteristics of the shots are different enough yeah. that like the the twenty one footer tends to be more contested in a pull up and yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, so this brings up this like, if you did make the court wider, then obviously we know the players can shoot that corner three. And oh, you mean to, just expand the three point line so twenty three nine all the way around, yeah. all around, and then you have an extra yard or whatever. You still have the. T- Corner three. So everybody freaks out about like, oh, it's going to cost them money. They won't do it. It's like, I don't think this is true. This, I'm, this is not an original idea, but you add courtside seats yeah. at the expense of last row seats. Right. Right. And every, maybe not today. I don't know that I can say this categorically, but like at the time we looked into it, every single arena had hockey, which means by definition there's room in the lower bowl yeah. for this bigger thing. I'm kind of confused as to why this isn't more actively pursued. It seems like uh, tradition. It's just like the 82 game season, right? Like the, the well, court dimensions haven't changed. They say they're not using that excuse anymore. Right? I would, I, yeah, it's kind of weird because if you, if you're widening the court, that's, that's so you, is, there I, any, is there any, like, is there tradition really holding us back on that one? Well, I just mean more that th- those are the dimensions the of the of NBA ch- court the, and it's hard to change it. I, I feel like, I don't know. I don't think people would fight back that hard. I think a lot of it is, all it needs wow. is, is just someone to fucking beat the drum, right? Yeah. Like, just to be like, why in the court? It seems like one of the easiest. It is. Does anybody, can you picture how in any way the game would be worse? Uh, well, who's right. going to have like, a hard I honestly stance. don't think it would change much. Okay. I don't think, I, no, it wouldn't. I don't think the, the, the corner three has never really been about the shot being shorter. It's about it being more open because the court, there's only kind of one way you can get to the corner yeah. as a defender. Well, like, and a, 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 other spots on the court. Like you, it's easier to close That's, out on. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, though, my, my point for here would be that the beauty of the games that makes the highlights, that makes the game popular on cell phones in China, which is the future of the game, right? This is the whole business. We just create more. They're all born to space. 
right? So the defender has to call that to the corner. Now it's to defend an extra yard, and that's super valuable. With, with, how about going back to uh, the old illegal defense rules? Was it a pretty they, game then? Not really, but yeah. there wasn't as many shooters. Right. Now that we have so many more shooters, if you say, hey, if you help, you got to double hard or you got to stay home. You can't do this stunt. I'm not an audio expert, but there's a chance that's not good for a podcast. No, it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, super producer Mike Smeltz will take care All of right, that. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, so this is, this is interesting, like this line of thought, because – I, I talk about it all the time. I think offenses have too much advantage now. It's hard to defend. <laughs> I know. I know. No, but, I, 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 I completely agree with. Right. Hmm. And so I would like to see them roll back hand checking a little bit. Um, I want to see them like just allow the defense to actually defend a little bit more. Um, I think the problem. I don't know is, about illegal defense, like bringing back illegal the illegal defense. defense rules. It would make it would, it would make, make it way more hard. Yeah, to, harder to guard. guard. Oh, yeah. No. Um, I, don't, I don't know about hand checking. Man. Like one thing is this. You, I mean, said this a long time ago, man. Check. Like, what is like the what is, at the, the core? What is the best part of the product? Like seeing someone do some amazing something amazing, right? Now, why would I want to limit his ability to do that so that like Patrick Beverly can just grab him a little more? Right? It just no one wants to watch a wrestling match. Like that's the thing. People who have or nostalgic for an era that wasn't good. Like it was not good basketball. I watched uh, preach last summer. Uh, me and Zach were, were doing live radio, and we both had NBA TV on, and it was Knicks Pacers, the game where Reggie Miller had twenty five points uh, in the terrible, fourth quarter. Right? It's terrible to watch. I'm like. This is the vaunted <laughs> yeah, defense. I yeah. mean, it was just crazy stuff. Like uh, Antonio oh, Davis. Davis. Yeah. Antonio Davis is dribbling the ball down the court, and like Charles Smith is like, Reggie Miller's right there. He's got 16 points in the quarter. Right? Charles was like, No, no, I must stop Antonio Davis. He leaves Reggie Miller. Wide. He was wide open on so many shots just because they were like, Ah, he's a, <laughs> he's not gonna hit all of them, is he? Um, and, and, and so a lot of it was it wasn't. Good basketball, but a lot, it wasn't good defense. That's right. like it, because they were. It was a lot of grabbing and yeah. So but, I actually, but in terms could, of like people paying attention to what's happening, yeah. Like oh, you, you watch out for that guy. They weren't that good. So part of this is I, I I wonder if the NBA product like the offense has gotten too complicated for novices to watch. Um, it is ex it, like you have like there's so much stuff happening that I think that it's a little bit. Uh, intimidating. This is the gift and the curse of basketball, right? Basketball is a sport with a very low barrier of entry for fandom and a very high barrier for mastery, right? So uh, last May... I'm going to steal that. That's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. So last, last <laughs> Sometimes May, it just drops this stuff. And you're like, wow. It's almost like I'm good at podcasting. Uh, last May... <laughs> Uh, some people, at least some people recognize that. Uh, last May, oh, me Sounds and, like a loaded comment there. <laughs> me and uh, Tom Habistro went to, while we were in Chicago, went to a White Sox game, right? And it was White Sox Blue Jays, right? And, you know, Tom's a big baseball guy, right? He's a nerd to the point he brings the scorebook and he scores. He does? I, yeah, used, to, absolutely. I used to do that minor league. Absolutely, right? I used to do that for RBI baseball, so I'm not going to. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to. It's up on the goddamn. Anyway, so. I said, I, and, and you know, I've been to baseball games before, but it all started to hit me like, oh, this is why baseball is dying or not, or is like slowly aging out, right? First of all, look at the scoreboard. There are 8 billion numbers on there. Every other sport, like who's winning? Team one versus team here. They've got 30, these got 20, 22, right? Hockey, soccer, basketball, uh, football. Baseball is like 5 billion numbers. Why do we need all those numbers up there? So then I, I, he says, oh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's really good. You know, I know who Vlad Guerrero is. Oh, some place. That's pretty cool. Da, da, da. And like I'm watching and I'm like, he's not doing anything. <laughs> and, and it hit me. It's like, it, you know, if I go, if I don't know anything about basketball and I go to a game, the Lakers play and LeBron's playing and I know nothing about basketball, I've not heard of anybody. And someone says, oh, by the way, 23 in yellow, he's pretty good. Within five minutes, he's going to do something that, oh, my God, like, he's so fast. And they, Baseball, I can watch a full, like, four-game homestand and watch Mike Trout every day. And this guy might be the greatest player who's ever played the game, according to some baseball people. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'll take your word for it, but I don't know. Totally. Right? So all of that is to say, all of that is to say baseball is a game with a very high barrier of entry, right? 
in order to and then once you get to know the nuances and stuff now it's like oh it's it's very enjoyable but the the idea is that who the fuck is going to wait that whole time to figure out all these little intricacies in order to be able to appreciate it basketball doesn't have that problem which is good it's easier yeah. for casual fans to come in but it's bad because then they think they know it because i watch all the games right i, I we're talking about uh Harden calling Giannis unskilled, and I was like, "This like this guy's talking trash," but like, let's not get it confused. Like Giannis is incredibly skilled, and I had this guy say, "Well, if you if you think Giannis is un- is skilled, you obviously have a low basketball IQ." I watch a lot of basketball. I know what I'm talking about. And I said, "That's the problem. I don't doubt that you watch a lot of basketball. I doubt that you know what you're looking at." Yeah, I talk about this defense all the time. Nobody knows who's a good defender. I mean, I know, but like. The average person doesn't know who's a good defender. Oh, who's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because people, for instance, right. people think Russell Westbrook is a oh, really yeah, good defender. Oh, yeah, he gets a lot of steals. Well, not even that. Like, for, let's. Yeah, he's, but he's running around activity. a lot. He's angry. Activity. Oh, yeah, he's, I'm on, I'm on he, the, he's <laughs> visibly efforting. Yes. Yeah, and, and that, that equates Kenneth to many Kenneth Reed, great defensive player. Basketball. Look at him. Yeah. Yeah. It's college basketball, exactly. Yeah. It teaches them that. Like, they play defense in college. Well, it's performative. They care. Well, I mean, we talk about it all the time. It's hard. They slap the floor. It's hard to watch college basketball because you can do that, push up on a kid, and it like he's fighting it, and I'm just like, just cut back door. Like you do yeah, that in the league, yeah, yeah. you cut back door. That's it. Like there's, yeah. we love people who overplay. We love the tryhards, right? Because it's just e- it's easy to counter that. Like the opposite is how you guarded yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but wait, you're making an amazing point here. But I would argue, um, there's different things. The popularity of the sport, the business of the sport, if we're talking about that, then no one needs to understand how anything works. The proof is called the NFL, right? Like, I, I now have, I know one person on planet Earth who can watch an NFL game and talk with some authority about what is happening and describe it in a useful way. You can look at them line up and say, ooh, they're going to throw left or something like that. And it pans out because he's our local high school football coach. But everybody else I've ever watched this my entire life is full of crap. Here's the they funny thing. Football is easy to happening. understand, here's, though, because you know where the no, goal is. No, no, no. Here's, yeah, here's the funny thing. Football is easy to appreciate. Yes. But difficult to understand. But for whatever reason, people have a high reverence. So right for I the, would say for the so, part that they don't understand. Right, so I, I think basketball can live in the same. Th- so in the sport, we think everybody's got to be into the sport, but the sport succeeds when people who aren't into the sport follow it. Yes, right. Casual so like fans like NFL is a huge thing because tons of people don't know anything about football. Watch right, it every right. weekend, right? So that's the goal: is not to get people to be into the sport. The goal is to get people to watch the sport. So I, I talk about this with football compared to basketball. With football, you understand the goal of every play. The goal is to cross that line. With basketball, you've got action sometimes moving away from the basket. Like, I mean, there's just so there's so many moving parts, and I think that I think for new fans that can be a little weird. I to don't. Watch. I don't. I don't think they even notice it. Really, I'm overthinking it. Yeah. I don't think they need to know the mechanism to enjoy the experience. They don't exactly like. Yeah. They're, first of all, 99 percent of fans are watching the ball at all times. Right. So a lot of that other stuff they don't even see. Right, they don't. They don't see JJ Redick running here, and that's why the defender. So, my favorite play from like three years ago was it was Clippers. You Warriors. go next, Seth, with your favorite play from three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's my favorite play. Dot dot dot. It's from three years. Oh, uh, right. not, not like oh, three okay, years okay. ago. My favorite. Two years ago, my favorite play was this. It was Clippers Warriors, and it was like a under out of bounds, and it was end of the game. Right, like. They were Clippers were up one or two. Oh yeah, they were up one, I think. Or it was a tie. Either way, the trigger man is uh, Raymond. No, is is Andre Iguodala. Draymond Green sets a screen on the right wing. Steph curls around it. DeAndre Jordan's guarding Draymond Green. He jumps it. The guy who's guarding Steph is blocking and trailing, so he's up on it and then the guy who's guarding the inbound guarding Iguodala shades immediately right Draymond slips layup game over there is nothing in the box score that is going to indicate that Steph Curry made all that shit happen right right and a casual fan is going to watch and say oh my god the Clippers are just bad at defense because they let that guy just lay it without any 
understanding right. of any of that shit to happen. Even right. though they all did their job, yes. Draymond just also did his. Yes, but my, my point is they can enjoy it and not appreciate it. In football, they enjoy it and they appreciate it even that they don't know what happened. They just know that if... if, if Somebody kicked ass. If somebody – well, they know that somebody kicked ass and they yeah. like that. But if somebody, some NFL person says, well, actually, this is what happened here, there's a, a, a docile nature of the NFL fan. Like, oh, thank you for, for giving us – Oh, he's in cover two and, yeah, then they beat, like, and he uh, got to beat press coverage. That, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Spider white banana, like, ooh, this guy I mean, how much stuff. did Tony Romo just get for being able to $17 million, that, right? right? But the idea is if in basketball, if I tell you, oh, they jumped in lock and trail and Shut the fuck up. Like, they don't want to listen to that shit. Because it, it either means one of two things. Either, oh, shit, this thing that I watch all the time that I thought I'm really knowledgeable about, I really don't know anything about it, or yeah. that guy's just full of shit. Yeah. And it's easier just to say that guy's full of shit. And so in the conversation of business, it doesn't matter. So like, like you said, casual fans make the world go round. But in the, if we're talking about people appreciating what they're seeing, right. a lot of them don't. And does it matter? Uh Celebrity That's guess. A hell of a tan you've got going on there, man. <laughs> um, Kevin Armas, do you want to take a seat? Really? Yeah. Well, we've only got four just, mics. Let's share my, mics. It's not my podcast. Yeah. Here, you yeah, go. hop in. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Kevin. I'm sorry. I, I'm like invading. I, good to see you, sir. You as well. I was just in your town, and I didn't even realize you were still there. All right, so Kevin Arnovitz. Hi, uh, Dave DeFore. We've never met before. Oh, but I know you from your avatar, right? So There you go. Amazing. Yeah, the digital never, likeness is, is uncanny. It's pretty good. Actually, somebody shouted me out in traffic the other day. Yeah. Brand is strong. That's when you know you've made it. That, well, maybe. I've, well, I've seen the DM the guy sent. Dave uh, yeah, really, I, I doubted him when he said this. I was, I was like, like, no, no this guy like, DM'd me. Uh, so we were just talking about, uh, you know, solving the, the fans' uh, knowledge, like uh, helping to educate fans. Kevin has the most interesting knowledge I've heard in years. Which is the octopus? Oh my god! Just, hold on. Wait. So, I mean, to give you some context, I mean, I think the league is seriously trying to restructure its regular season. There's an acknowledgement that there just aren't enough what they call spikes. You know, like Christmas is a spike, but like it's just weeks and weeks of like, frankly, a lot of meaningless basketball. So, you know, how do you restructure the regular season? And there are a lot of ideas. My favorite one, and I think it has zero percent chance of being enacted. But one of the things I like about the NBA is like they pay people to come up with crazy ideas. And this one's called the octopus. So here's how you do the season. You match up division and division. So it's eight legs, hence the octopus. And leg one would be, hey, you're the Pacific Division. You're matched up with the uh, Southeast Southeast Division. So you play 10 games of that leg, a home and home. But with each win, first wins, I think wins one and two are one point. But then wins three and four, uh, four or two, and then three, and then four, and then five. So it's not a case where you can rest Kawhi. Or if you do rest Kawhi, like you're, you're giving you're up, sacrificing, like, yeah, like four points. So, um, and you do, if you win ten in a row, you get like the full twenty five. You points. get yeah, which, and I, I don't know if it works out that way. One, you are paying a giant price in your standards. right. So expenential increase. For Sounds like of wins. bowling scoring. Yeah, it sort of is, yeah. but it, yeah, it, it, but what it does is it just it, it increases, you know, sort of it increases drama. Like imagine a, a Milwaukee, and you can schedule it smart. You know who's going to be good at the beginning right. of the year. Imagine the Milwaukee Clippers on the Central Pacific matchup game 10, right? Like that is a five-point game probably, or right. f- at least a four for both teams. And, and then, you know, top eight, I mean, playoffs are the same, but basically what you would have is, is a different scoring method. So I like it. It's, it's uh, almost turning the last game into like the, the, the level boss of, of like yes. the video. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. It sounds like basketball, actually, uh, a little bit with the – that was the one Bob Costas was in and, and disowned it later. Like, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. the worst decision of yeah. my career. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I've actually, I've talked to some people about potentially like like Premier League or, or like soccer or hockey with the game, you know, every win is three points or right. something like that. And is that a way to add more value to these games? But ultimately, like you just can't play 82 games. Well, so the, here's Here's... The problem I have with that idea, and it's not even anything with it specifically, is just think about every other sport on the face of the earth. Which one of them has a system as complex as that? 
Hockey, not really, though. There's no, like some point distribution. It's, a, it's just like you win three and, points. But you, hockey people hate the point distribution they system. Do? Yeah. Because okay. like, you can never figure out how the playoff matchups are going to. And like they call it the loser point. Like if you lose yeah. a game yeah. in over, you lose overtime, in overtime. Like and get, so the get, last get, five minutes of a close game should be really exciting. And instead, it's both teams just kind of like, oh, we'll both get a point. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I listen. I, I think it's the least probable of them, and I, I think splitting the season into thirds or quadrants is probably more likely as a reform. But it's fun to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's it is fun. I actually like the septop sep, septopus because, like, yeah, I want like seventy. I don't want eighty. I want it seventy. I I I've, I said fifty-eight games. Yeah, uh, I'm a fifty. Yeah, fifty-eight games start on Christmas, and you know, let's just like that is the NBA day. You know, it already is. It'd be just, I mean, is yeah, fine. But Zarin said this yesterday. Who's giving up a third? I know. Yeah. I know. It's money. I mean, look, I, I think it's how much can you sell the alternate products for? Like, there are some really ambitious people who say you could sell a single elimination tournament for global distribution for a ton of money. You could sell a play-in tournament for more than one would think. Now, I don't know that they could cheat at 58. I, listen, I think the league's reformers have even conceded, like, 64, 66, 68. Right. Like, the idea is that every team, every city, every fan in every city should have the opportunity at least once Absolutely. to see every player, right? But can we create a couple more games on top of that? So maybe it is... Well, 58's just about having a balanced schedule. Right. That was but it. then on top of that, when you add in play-in tournaments and all that, now you're getting it back right. up to the number. So you're not giving up a third. You're still getting close to 40 home you, dates. You or, could, or, yeah, you could possibly wind up around 70. Right. right. Well, no, like group play. So, I mean, if you, you, you sold a group play then into a 32 team. Right. Bring over, by the way, the best EuroLeague team, the best Australian team, however you want to do it, the two best professional teams internationally. Right. Kentucky. Um, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's probably could the Golden State Warriors beat Kentucky? Right? We'll have that conversation. You know, so uh, although it would be interesting, right? I mean, it, and like, but I can't imagine. Like, actually, there are enough like, interests that might just kind of like, coincide. Like I would embrace Cup, those right? more brilliant, like the carnival roots. So, like, I take the ABA it, stuff. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, can we get some dancing bears oh, at the same time? Yeah, you freakiness know? Like, is, a, yeah. Is, is is an additive. Come well, on, it works for basketball, right? Like, it's it's. Everybody we're love not, everybody. Yeah, we're yeah. not a stodgy sport like right. baseball, you know. Yeah. But it, it, like the the I like the idea of <laughs> Well, don't as long as you don't disparage the mid-range, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to can, can I like I feel no. like in this in this discussion of shorting the schedule, like we've talked about this before. Yeah. But the group that gets like never gets talked about is the fans in City X. Like they are they have it's cuz they suck. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go never mind. Ahead. No, but but all of a sudden it's like you know you like you live in Charlotte. You like basketball. You have ten less games a season to go see. Like well, no, but that's that's what I'm saying. And that's and 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 by nature of that, like now because the supply is smaller, the price is going up, and then who are you pricing out, and who can can I take my kid to a basketball game if it's if instead of it being you know upper deck tickets are are twenty five bucks a pop now they're forty bucks a pop and it's one hundred twenty dollars and then parking. Do and, the prices necessarily have to? go? I mean, I guess because the arena well, stuff is just separate. It was from sim- TV. It'd be, I mean, it's simple supply and demand. Right. That if there are less, there Fair are people. But, yeah. But would the TV contracts potentially go up because viewership might go up? because the games actually mean more yeah i mean i i think like look i think revenue neutrality is 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 the kind of magic word and i I mean look you're a numbers guy so scarcity versus you know i wonder if it was appointment viewing hey the hornets are on twice a week that is it and they they, you know they play wednesday thursday friday or and or saturday sunday like there's a weekend game there's a weekday game we're dark on mondays because football and the rest of it and nobody bachelor yeah but i'm not i'm not i'm i am not talking about like tv i'm talking specifically about about butts and seats but but seth like what explain to me then why you look look like a press conference right there (laughs) i sort of have a lot of mics um Explain to me why regular Americans go to NFL games all the time and don't go to NBA games. Because it's more cost effective to be a season ticket holder for an NFL team. Correct. So to me, like I, the the one case example we have of reduced games, I think the effect is that you know right now NBA teams fail in cities without a lot of Fortune 500 companies, right? Like people who are getting a tax write off for buying the tickets are the business. They're already not treated well by the NBA. The NFL is different. Right, the NFL is getting more of that, but like, but they are regular people in the stands, and like, you know, the I live near the where the Jets play, and like the guy who's the 
most plugged in connected leader fan is a firefighter, right? And he wears that firefighter hat, right? There's no equivalent at NBA games. Spike Lee. Firefighters can't go to those games, right? So to then me, the like, net, then, yeah, Cooper Darrell. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. So, but a firefighter can afford it because in they're Toronto. only eight. By having 41, you just can't even be, you can't well, be like the coolest dude in the building. The coolest but there's dude another, in the there's another thing is though. There's a CEO of something. There's another thing though. It's also 80,000 seats versus 20,000. Yep. So, they can like the they have scarcity, but they mitigate it with. But we'll just have way more they have inventory. They, yeah. they make them. I'm also thinking. So I'm thinking a little bit longer term. I'm not thinking about like the season ticket. I'm I'm thinking about like I I went in I went to a game in Indianapolis a couple weeks ago, and and uh, one of my college roommates lives there, and he brought his daughters to the game. For the, that was the first time ever going to the game, uh, and they both were like, "Ooh, this is awesome." They his his older daughter decided that that. She was very fond of DeMontis Sabonis. I don't know why, uh, but yeah, I think so. But but so but because they could just kind of go because this was a random game on a Monday night. How many now, thousands of empty seats were there in that arena? It was pretty full, actually. I would say I would say it was yeah, <laughs> the Hoosier State, Kevin. I would yeah. I would I, no. I would it was a it was a Monday night it was Monday it was a Monday night game against the Nets. And I would say it was seventy percent full. All right. So what you're basically saying is there were thousands of empty seats. So where are these people? Where are these people? I mean, that's my point. I don't mean to drag Charlotte. Oh, oh, we're going to we're going to shrink supply so people can't come. They're trying to I get these press releases from these teams for a Coke and a hot dog and a seat. Thirteen, you know, whatever it is like, I mean, I'm not trying to drag Charlotte or Indy, but like. Every night I turn on that TV and there are nothing but empty seats in a lot of these rooms. Yeah, you might get screwed in Milwaukee during a, the heyday, right? You might get screwed maybe in San Antonio during the heyday. But I got to tell you, attendance is on the is on the. You can go go on StubHub sometimes at three o'clock on a Monday. Any pick any game other than the Lakers, San Francisco, Clippers now these days. But even then, like. You know, you can do all right. You know, I mean, what you know. I take that back. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to be overly but, combative, but Houston, I'm just saying. Though. Houston is, is good and, and a big nobody, city. And nobody, nobody goes to games. I mean, all I'm saying is I, I think I hear what you're saying. And look, I always, and like Henry, I, I try to be a populist and I'm, he succeeds at it. I don't always. Um, but I, I just. Ever? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, but I, I do think that. There, there, there's not a there's not a paucity of opportunities for folks in mid-sized markets to go to an affordable NBA game. Now maybe that changes, but I just don't see it. I love you go on the ESPN scoreboard has the StubHub. It's like tickets from, yeah. and it's like single figures. Like there, there are a you lot. You can't of, go to a movie. There, I will. I, I, I'll point out that there are a lot of arenas that I go to where there are thousands of seats that look empty, and a lot of them are in the lower bowl. Like you look upstairs, and that where the cheap seats are, that place is packed. So there, I think there is something to a the, maybe people being priced out, and b the other thing is it's probably an even bigger thing is when you have people who buy companies that buy tickets, and then they just go unused, right? Like that that happens a lot. Where you it's not that oh they couldn't sell a whole row in the one twelve section. It's that some entity owns that entire row and. For whatever reason, they couldn't even give them away. And so there is an element. I think there's more to it than just people don't want to go or people can't afford to go. Excuse me. And I think and also it's sort of a, a, the discussion is, is also a little bit immediate revenue versus next generation. And that's and that's and that's sort of what I'm like. You, you, if you're trying to like you can. Yeah, you can grab every dollar now. But are you eating your seed corn? Oh, see, the irony is, is I feel like this is a plan for because I do think there's a shrink in revenue. I mean, I think they would, you know, you, you, you'd reduce the season. You know, and I, I talked to an owner yesterday. Sorry, a governor. Um, and <laughs> governor. Yes. And I said, if you reduced inventory, if you went down from 41 to 35, which is a, tw- what, a 12, 13, 14, 15% drop, yeah. You know, how much would you have to reduce? And he said, I still have to reduce it. Like, I mean, season tickets. Because I was of the opinion, yeah, the, the, the rich people will bitch, but they'll pay the same for 35 as they were for 41. You go to a restaurant now, you know, the eight ounce sea bass is a six ounce. Steak is, everything's, you know. Um, and they don't see, and I had another governor say, like, they're buying a season ticket experience. They're not buying number of games. I don't think I'd have to reduce anything. They'll let, bitch and moan. Let, let me ask a, a hypothetical question. Wait, hold on. You, you, uh, the season, season ticket experience. 
Oh yeah, yeah no, no but like, like but to, to Henry's point, to Henry's point <laughs> is is the but here's the thing, to to Henry's point though, you're telling me the big white shoe law firm in town for which this is a penance is gonna, yeah, we're not gonna renew our tickets. You think the Fortune 500 company that's worth billions and billions of dollars, like you know, damn you, Atlanta Hawks, now Delta is not gonna get its box. Like Delta would be shame, you know, like like I just to some extent, I I think yeah, it's it's a little bit of BS, but I also think that. Wealthy people are, you know, I mean, that's what disposable income is for. This this is my question. This is a hypothetical. It'll never happen, but I wonder. So I don't know if you guys remember Bakersfield like 10 years ago. Jam. Yeah, decided they were going to play their games uh, in their practice facility, and they created like maybe like 150 seats that were all luxury boxes. So literally we don't have cheap seats. We have a small, intimate environment where you pay top dollar to be a part of this. Setting aside, obviously, no one's going to reconstruct their arenas because of dates that they have for all these other events there. But would something like that be financially viable? For so this is what I always like. This is my idea. It actually came from a, a governor. You jack up the price on the rich people, but you have a Krzyzewskiville. We released a thousand seats every night. You line up. There's no advance sales, and if you want to camp out for the big game, you camp out. Yeah, people stand in it's line. Ham for, for you. him, huh? Ham for him, basically. Yeah, like, like, the, like oh, you can either pay uh, whatever thousand dollars on StubHub to see Hamilton tonight, or we'll do the lottery, and then some of you. There's not a lottery. There's like in twenty dollars, twenty dollars, and and, it's a, and we actually we're going to put you in the end zone. Did you say ham for ham? And can you tell me more about that? <laughs> oh yeah, this is when when like when when Hamilton was on was the original run on Broadway. They they you know they realized okay this they 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 were. Hey, we got kind of got lightning in a bottle here, and so, but they wanted to make sure that people could just come. So they would kind of every like a couple times a week they would like do like a little mini show. You can find these on YouTube. Some of them are pretty are pretty awesome. They they'd put on a little like mini show outside the theater, and the people who were like there were signed up for the lottery, and like a couple rows of seats like got drawn every day for for the people who were like there for these little mini shows. And that's how they tried to kind of democratize the the audience of the show a little bit. I don't think they're the first show to have done that, but they they certainly they they went viral with it a little bit more with their with their kind of putting it out on YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah, no, there's a little sideshow going on right here, actually, which is Kevin and I have the same wallet, and he's about to steal mine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love this wallet. <laughs> the, uh, so, so how, all right. So, so, so wait, how that's yours? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my God, I thought it was mine. <laughs> and, he's, and he's killing it. He's like, it's on its last yeah. leg. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's sad. Like you're talking oh, shit about my I wallet. I literally was like, <laughs> that's my wallet. I must have taken it. Uh, uh, before we wrap, uh, how realistic is a, is a change? And, and, and it, as far as being realistic, what would be the timetable? Are we saying like within the next five years? Are we saying three years? Like, I mean, you, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I know there's a lot of talk about it, but I don't see any of this stuff happening uh, anytime soon. I have actual reporting from... The panel Kevin led yesterday, Evan Wash of the NBA, these are quotes, said, this is on Troop.com, by the way, if you want to check it out. Um, he said, we will be making a proposal. Where's the actual quote? Um, Nothing is sacrosanct. We will have a proposal to fundamentally change the season. And the schedule seemed to be, everything schedule. ends at the same time. Optimization. Like the deal, the whatever. So in the next two, three years, they have to go to all different stakeholders, right? The players, the TV beat people, everything, and get everyone to sign up. It probably won't happen for that reason, but they're going to propose. Again, I just want to throw out that when we, we talk about the stakeholders, the people who are not at that table are the fans and the, the local. By the way, uh, let, let me. Yeah. Let I had me, a fan. Uh, here, here's what I'd say. I, I think, <laughs> look, if they can sell the midseason tournament for $450 million. I think there's a sense that a 29, I mean, the 16 million a game for a elimination, 17, is kind of what the league circles as consequential games can be sold for that now I, you know global distribution a little extra i mean there's technology that's you know 15 million per team obviously half goes to play if they can say look reducing six games going down to 76 is more than defrayed collectively like they'll do it and i think you can get there with urban i don't think it's going to go down to what we want like 64 sure yeah. but i think 76 plus right. a tournament is something that will 
it could very well happen in the next 10 years. How much are we factoring in that in this new TV deal, we have Amazon, we have Google, we have maybe Netflix, Hulu, like the, the, the people throwing money at this have serious money, like unlimited money, and it's not just ESPN, it's not just Turner. Well, the other thing is is that the national, the, the, broad, the, the international broadcast distribution deal is still the number one revenue stream. And if anything, it becomes more profitable. And and I say this not, I, I don't want to be dismissive of fans and this, that, and the other, but the truth is the gate's becoming less and less and less important to yeah, the bottom that's, that's line. That's the Ethan Strauss thing. It's like, why do yeah. we care who goes to the games if all our money comes from selling the so rights? So I, I, I think that the, that the television experience it becomes worse if it if it is is in a, in a game is played in a mausoleum well I mean, we saw we talked about this with oracle like when they, oh. they priced out all the fans yeah. and, and and we were like it's not the same atmosphere right and it and it comes across on tv differently but i just reject the idea that there's going to be less attendance with fewer games i mean it just doesn't make sense to me what we're basically i mean if the price is it, they'll ma- they'll price it market rate like like by definition if they're empty seats, the prices will come down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, you or, can't have it both ways. Well, no, you can't but say if those empty those seats mean- are, are kind of the package sold season ticket experiences that because it doesn't matter but then why do we why do we think really that season like tickets that. why do we really think that the why don't we think that the delta fedex people will come to fewer games if there are fewer games why do i i don't understand i think we have the problem Seth's worried about it's it's a it's a crisis right like people who love the game aren't at the game because they can't afford to go to the game like that is a multi-generational flaming but i don't think that's the entire fight. reason but i don't to me like i don't think it gets worse or better with shortening the it's, season it's a separate issue that needs to, to be me. dealt with, yeah. with with separate tools that's, that's fair what i feel that's like. fair okay yeah. but i also think they're not going to the game because they have a 58 inch tv and tonight yeah. it's the oh, irishman yeah. and tomorrow night it's and this one and, and, and they don't leave their house and, <laughs> yeah. and there's a virus and and you know what there's a ton to do at home I, what did <laughs> we do at home at 7 45 p.m on a tuesday night there were like seven channels like there were like Atari. Like what else did you have? And also, and you know what? It's not fun enough. Like I, when I was I'm a kid, we like family you know, ties. I went to watch Tuesday a crappy team, day? and occasionally they'd win and surprise us, and you'd hug the person in the chair next to you out of sheer joy because you lost yourself. And like that doesn't happen anymore. The person next to you is like is on their phone. It, on their phone. It, the NBA will not sell me basketball. They will give me the red panda at halftime they will play music while these guys are playing but they will not just let me go and you be will a not fan. besmirch the red panda <laughs> even on your and, own and podcast I, by the way and i don't care like I, i'm fine with halftime entertainment i'm fine with music during timeouts but i mean it is just i can when, besmirch seth Parton now but you can't when you go them. when you go look when you go to a college game those fans are invested in the basketball. It is no, not. They're, not. I, I, they're invested in the the uh, tribalism of I went to this school or though. I grew up in it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, here's the reality. It's like the reality is the NBA sells entertainment, sells us on Red Panda and all that stuff for one reason, because they know at any given time. It six, might be a stinker. 16 to 20 of these teams are awful. New York, Phoenix, Sacramento, like they, they can't sell you on the basketball, right? Right. The most basketball they can sell you is LeBron's coming to town, right? So if, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, right? That, that, that's why everyone's up in arms about, about that, right? So the idea is they have to say, you know what? Game's irrelevant. You're going to come here. Like I remember when Phillips Arena first opened, they had like a whole play area with like a, a bouncy house and, you know, and like a papa shot. They'll try any kind of shit. In right, right. So like the idea was people in Atlanta don't go to games because ah, like there's this apathy towards the Hawks. So what if we made this like the time of your kid's life? Just put a Dave and Buster's in there. That's Which pretty, they essentially that's, have. Have, right. you seen, have you seen State yeah, Farm? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, it's really nice. So, but 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 the, but the point is, like, you do it because you know, at any given time, a lot of your franchises are poorly run and can't deliver on what the value proposition should be, which is basketball is good. Now, that's very different from broadcast stuff because the beauty of broadcast rights is that we can sell the basketball. Because we're not going to show the Sacramentos and the Phoenixes of the world. We're going to show the people that people actually care about. And that's why, you know, and I agree with Ethan. I kind of come full circle on this. I agree with Ethan's uh, theory, which is 
everything that we do as a league should be geared towards the guy in Slovenia who's waking up or at whatever time to watch the game, Australia, China. Those, that's where the money is. The money isn't in Bob and Sally taking Jack and Jill to the game. Like That's nice, but it's not. The money is in, in taking this product and selling it all over the world. Yeah, and Atlanta might be a, a rare case. It's Steve Coonan, who was the guy who yesterday, the CEO of the Hawks, who proposed shifting the season. He had a term. His whole thing was, how do I get regular Joes to the game? And he called them the Alpharetta Unicorns. Mm, because I like that. Yeah. Tell, tell so me. the Alpharetta Unicorn is this notion that there's some regular Joe in a middle-class suburb who's really wants to come to the game. But he doesn't want to go all the way downtown. And, and like wants to drive an hour on a Tuesday in one of the worst traffic cities in the country. And he's like, there wasn't a promotion, a $10 for the Coke and the hot dogs, the shoot for a free car, the bobbleheads to get him there. And he stopped, you know what they stopped doing? They stopped chasing the Alpharetta unicorn. I just, I kind of reject this romantic notion. So it's the reason why. There are all these people who are desperate don't. to go to game, but, but. You know, honey, we can't afford it. Like, but that's that's it, why, like the 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 what's it called? Was it the the Braves built the stadium in in yeah. Gwinnett, right? Because, or in Cobb in Cobb Cobb, County, yeah. yeah. So, like the idea is because they're chasing the Alpharetta Unicorns. Like, if we bid it closer, maybe that'll make them want to come. And I suspect they're good folks in Milwaukee right now. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, and, I, and I'm, you know, I, I do want to offer something. I, I think it's coming upon owners, and we should shame owners into saying, you need to have a thousand tickets that are affordable. And you can afford it. You, do, but you run do. a hedge fund that's manipulating markets and earning billions. But like, they, they do, though, right? Isn't it like the, when they came out of 1999 lockout, that was the one thing they said, there has to be a group of tickets that are $10. Yeah, but it's always top, last row, behind the basket. It's like the worst seat in the house is the $10. It'd be interesting if you had to earmark lower level seats at affordable behind, prices. Behind the home basket like they did at All-Star with the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they lost a ton of money, but, wow, it was great. I, I got to tell you, I don't like... Screaming kids? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember yeah. I, there was the the first time they did that was the Rising Stars Challenge in Vegas in 2007. And the kids just kept screaming, and it didn't matter what happened. Like, they weren't screaming because someone made it. Like, oh, what did I miss? And, like, nothing. Like, they're just screaming because... It annoyed the hell out of me, which is why I think Krzyzewskiville would never work because the rich people, it's not about the, you know, like having it. rich people don't want to deal with like these fanatics who are actually into the game and screaming. I want to look cool. And, so it means and like not more. too much elitism and not too much joy. Right. <laughs> right. And so the things we like, let's <laughs> fire them into the sun and... and, and okay. Then, right, so just, we, we're we, done. We're done We're here. off the rails. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Henry. Thank you, Kevin. Oh, thanks for letting uh, me love, crash. I love the pop in. I mean, this is why you know you show up at Sloan and do you a never podcast. Know. Who's going to come down the hall? That's right, uh, Amin. Finally, thank you. We'll be back later on this week.